Ladies and gentlemen, I'm back. We're back. On the Back Bar is here, and you're listening to episode 35 with me and Jack Waring. Jack is from Paulus Gin, and this is going to be a great episode because we're going to be learning about his history in the hospitality trade, from his time at Dandelion, getting it to number one, best bar in the world, all the way through to his role now as Paulus Ambassador. Paulus is a very unique gin because of the three different SKUs they have and the rather unique ingredients they use. For instance, we talked today about the Buddha Hand citrus fruit, pretty much the great, great, great grandfather of the orange, lemon and lime. Not only this, but Jack has recently been doing a YouTube series focused on one ingredient used three different ways for cocktails. This guy is very creative, he does a lot of unique stuff, and the most recent episode is about hazelnuts, uh, which is not something you usually find behind the bar. So yeah, go check out his show, subscribe, learn, and uh, you're going to like Jack, he's a super nice guy. So guys, it's 2021, happy new year to all of you, I hope you're having fun and you're keeping safe. I will note that at the start of this episode, I did mention that Thailand was uh, sort of in the safe zone now and we forgot about COVID. Not quite the case, actually. We, we are sort of on a, another mini lockdown uh, where the bar trade has actually been completely shut. Um, it's a shame and I feel really, really sorry for all the guys who work in the trade. And basically, yeah, good luck, guys. Stay strong. If you need me, let me know and shout out. Uh, as always, guys, please like, subscribe, and share my content so we can grow. And let's learn from Jack how to utilize ingredients, inspiration from persistence, and understanding the Buddha hand. Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom. And in water, there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Menning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the back bar. This is Christopher Menning. So, Jack, thank you so much for being on the show, man. How's it going? <laughs> good, man. Yeah, really good. Really good. How's it, how's it over there? It's right, yeah. I mean, to be honest, like um, Thailand, um, as I've said many times, they they had a really good response. So we've been back to normal for a long time, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we've had, you know, the last sort of four months, ten cases. That's kind of it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. They're, um, they're they're very. I mean, I think uh, they've been wearing masks for a long time. They're quite used to that. Yeah. And also, um, they're they're quite hygienic with everything. So yeah, they're really yeah, on top of, of it. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a different story on on, on this end, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's slowly getting there. Uh, vaccines are, are slowly rolling out, which is an amazing thing. So, yeah, be be interesting to see the next well, what next year has in store for us. Seems like we're at the yeah. back end of twenty twenty now. I think everybody's glad to see the end of this year. Oh, for sure. And I know we just talked a minute <laughs> ago, and you said that um, 
Scotland are now allowed to play music again because it was banned for a while, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, background music or like any any kind of music in venues, which is which is wild that that was even outlawed in the first place. But hey, yeah. I, I I don't make the rules. So. Good. Well, Jack, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, I mean, I'm really interested because personally, I, I've used Porter's Gin in many of my bars and I really love the product. Um, and you've got a YouTube series, which we're going to go over. But what's, what's been going on, man? What's what's new in your life? Uh, so we, yeah, we just launched the, well, I say just launched, it's been kind of been talking about it for a while, but the YouTube series is, is, is a big thing, uh, at the moment that takes up a load of, uh, brain power, which is really cool. Um, we're, we're currently kind of pivoting like every pretty, pretty much every kind of spirits brand or every bar is pivoting to kind of online work and online sales and prepackaged cocktails and all that kind of stuff. So we've got some exciting stuff coming up. Um, next year, which is really interesting. Um, you can probably check it out. Actually, it's, um, this is one of the first products. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, it's the cool. Hippie Fizz. Nice. Um, so it's a, a Port's Gin can cocktail, um, and it's going to be under the name White Box. So you can check it out on Instagram or where, wherever it is. So um, yeah, White Box drinks. So we've, we've got a, a whole swathe of new cool stuff coming out, which is really nice. And we're kind of, we're looking at it at the approach of, um, kind of making a, a menu. Um, so rather than having kind of like one particular brand and then just cut copy paste against like, Hey, you've got a margarita and a, uh, a Tom Collins or whatever, you know, each, each individual item is kind of looked at and scrutinized as its own kind of entity. So okay. it's um, yeah, it should be really interesting. We've got some cool stuff coming. Um, we've got send a Negroni, which is going really well. Um, which okay. is, uh, yeah, sendanegroni.com. You get to send uh, a pal a Negroni, comes through the letterbox, comes through Royal Mail um, for a tenner, and it includes posters and packaging and everything like that. So you can write a cool um, message to a loved one that you've sorely missed over this time as well. That's a good um, one. Yeah, just, I like that. Yeah. We've just launched um, Orchard, which is the third expression of Porters, which is going really, really well. This was actually... Um, something that we've been talking about for a long time and it's only just kind of come to fruition, but it's, it's like, um, it was based around our collective love for champagne, specifically Runar Blanc de Blanc. Um, it's a good and, champagne. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, have the best. Right. So, um, it was one thing that we felt was a bit of an occasion to have, um, and to order. So we felt like we wanted to kind of emulate something about that why do we love that champagne why why champagne like exciting to us um and so yeah it, it's a it's a gin made with pear apple and black soy so pear and apple being that kind of fruity kind of um very bright almost like alsace uh cremant kind of very delicious kind of chinable champagne style um and then the black soy is like more your burgundian kind of big rich buttery chardonnay style which we love in Renault Blanc de Blanc. Um, and so we bring all those two, all those things together with our, uh, with our London dry base. And it's, uh, it makes for this incredible kind of rich um, G&T, which is not what you'd kind of expect a G&T to be. Um, but you, as soon as you have it, you realize like, where's this been all my life? It's, uh, it's why does my G&T taste like a G&T this when it can taste like this. So it's, um, yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's, my my favorite thing that we've done um and that's including kind of the the tropical old time and stuff uh this is uh this is really really special stuff and i'm super excited about it so yeah it's good yeah this year's been fully fully packed um 
you know, a, a lot of, a lot of, well, I mean, the industry as a whole is, is, is completely changed. And so we, we've had to change as well. But um, I think being such a small company, there's only six of us um, and we're all kind of bartenders or, or <coughs> bar owners. And, uh, you know, we have the ability to pivot and change quite quickly, which is really nice rather than being kind of a big corporate structure that is almost like steering a, a cruise liner. Um, you know, you make, you make, make the turn and then six months down the line, you actually make the move. Um, you know, we can, we can change pretty quickly, which is really cool. It's a really nice thing to see. It's Good. super exciting to be a part of as well. Perfect. Well, we'll delve all into that, but um, let, let's get started with you, Jack. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to cool. really start with your, your beginnings and how you got into sort of bartending and how you ended up at Porters. Yeah. I, so so I, I'm from Northampton, which is um, kind of middle of the country, not much going on. Shoe, Shoe Museum and Carlsberg Brewery, that's about it. Um, but uh, I, I studied um, sculpture at, at Northampton. Um, quickly realized that I wasn't going to make any money from it. So I kind of pivoted to photography and then moved down to Surrey to study that. Um, and being kind of a, a, a harder artist student, um, everybody leans on booze at one point or another. And so I, I kind of quickly realized that I could get paid to serve booze instead of just drinking it. So it was uh, the kind of thing where I'd pick up little bar jobs and little pub jobs and stuff like that, pulling pints and serving wine and stuff. Um, and uh, there was actually, there's a little bar in Guildford that I started off in, which is called Barter's Arts, or it was called Barter's Arts. And it was over the road from the theater. And the theater in Guildford is like, it's where all of the big West End stuff goes before it goes to West End. It's almost like a test bed. Um, and there's loads of lovies that live in Guildford because it's, it's like in the greenery and it's expensive and there's big houses and stuff. So you end up getting like loads of really, really famous people just coming in um, and seeing all these like incredible shows before they go, go to the West End. Um, and yeah, serving lovies was like, this is cool, rubbing shoulders with people who have been on TV and movies and stuff. And that's amazing. Um, and, you know, I really caught the bug for making cocktails. That was like the thing. Um, and I realized that I needed to move to London for this because it was like the only place to be really. And, and in terms of photography as well, and in terms of like art and the whole scene is, you know, you need to be in London to be seen. So I moved down here with no real job, um, but I got, uh, I got an offer. Well, I got a, um, almost like a casting call if it was, um, but for like bar work um, for a new company that was starting up that was, the, the hotel was called the Mondrian, which is on London South Bank, used to be, well, it's, it's in Sea Container's house. So it's a very famous building. Um, and I didn't know too much about it. So I started like Googling and having a look and then figured out that there was this bar attached to it that was called Dandelion. Mm -hmm. And it looked amazing. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Um, I spent the next like kind of three, four months looking into everyone who's involved and kind of figuring out I need to be here. This is the place. If I'm going to do anything, I need to be here. Um, and so I applied for this job. And um, the first thing they said was, all our positions are filled. We don't have any space. Um, I was like, ah, okay, that's fine. But um, I'll, I'll just like pick up glasses. I'll wash glasses and I'll, I'll just want to be part of this team. I need to be here. Um, and he was like, no, nah, no, nah, okay. Maybe we can find you something else. So I started off work in the restaurant that's attached next door. Um, and fell in love with wine that way, being kind of like a wine guy, I guess. Okay. Um, there was a chap there called Alex Casey, 
who is the most entertaining person I've ever heard talk about wine. Um, and I kind of really fell in love with him and, and by extension wine as well. So I really got kind of in deep, kind of knee deep with wine and, and talking about flavor and where flavor comes from and production methods and all this stuff and going through WSETs and all this stuff. So I really kind of got fully stuck into it. Um, and all the time, every time that a uh, bartender left from uh, Dandelion, which was just over the hall, so like a, a minute's walk, um, every time that I heard someone was leaving, I put my CV in. So I'd just be like, hey, I'm just here. I'm, I'm, I'm over the hall. I'm in the, I'm in the restaurant. Come say hi or whatever. Like, I, I'm interested. Um, probably over keen at that point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it took about, it took about uh, 10 months before I got taken seriously and got given my shot. And then started working at Dandelion there, which was, you know, at, at the time, fledgling bar that people didn't really know about and the, the name wasn't really out there. Um, White Lion was a thing. Um, and it was very quickly, like, blew my mind in terms of drinks and being like, how how is this possible and why? And having a bar without ice, like, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I started working there, was there for about three and a half years. Um, kind of cut my teeth with the real nitty gritty of how big bars work and big kind of high volume bars work. Um, and uh, yeah, from there, there was, a, there was a guy who was working there called Alex Lawrence, who um, at the time had just moved down from Scotland and he was talking about making his own gin um, or making his own spirit at this point. It wasn't necessarily gin. Um, and it kind of pricked my ears up. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I didn't realize like just how not how easy it is, but how accessible making spirits would be. Um, and I got chatting with him and he loved the way that I talk about things. I think it was the word unctuous. Um, that I used <laughs> it's a great word. <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing word. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so we, we kind of got chatting about what we loved to drink and what we loved to eat and all this stuff. And um, I made fast friends with him pretty quickly and uh, he kind of took me under his wing in terms of bartending. He had load more experience than I had at that point. So we kind of um, got pretty chummy, which was cool. Um, and yeah, so his fledgling spirit turned out to be Porter's, what we know, now know as Porter's, um, which was made up in his, his home, well, not hometown, but his home bar, Orchid in Aberdeen. Um, and underneath that bar, that's where they make the, make the spirit and I just kind of fell in love and it was, it was pretty easy for the guys to kind of say, Hey, we want you on board, which was really cool. Um, because I kind of got to know them anyway. And they came down to London, we chatted and all this stuff. And it was a very much like a, just a natural thing to just transition over into being a brand ambassador on that side. Um, it's a, uh, it's a weird one. Uh, being, being a brand ambassador is very, very, very different from being a bartender because you know, firstly, it's it's like the hours are entirely different. You have to change your entire kind of um, body clock. Instead of getting up at midday and working through until four in the morning, you know, you get up at seven and then work through till four in the morning again. So it, 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 you have to completely change everything. Um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. It's given me a load of uh, really cool opportunities that I would never have to do. Um, you know, we're, we're in... So Porters now is in 18 countries, um, which is insane for a, for a group of six people to be in 18 countries. Is, it blows my mind. Um, so going out and traveling the world and stuff was 
is part of the job, which I mean, I guess somebody has to do. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's amazing being able to go out to like Singapore and, and America and, and all that stuff, which is which is phenomenal. I went out to Japan last year, which was just insane. Um, it, that that yeah, was on my imagine. bucket list. And yeah, it's it's yeah yeah. So well, that that's like the perks of it, which is which is amazing. Which is yeah, the best part. Well, when the borders open, please come to Thailand because I'd love to have borders here. Really yes, should. dude. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> good. Absolutely. We'll make it happen. Well, I mean, it's so so good to hear that story, and I love your um your persistence to get into dandelion. I think was key, right? <laughs> so, but it's also great to hear that because I I feel dandelion was um sort of like a melting hub of all these amazing bartenders that have gone off to do incredible things. You know, uh, yourself, uh, Lawrence. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. And um, what was it like? Because were you were you there when it got to the the fifty best? Yes. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when I joined, uh, it was the first year and judging was just coming around for tails. Um, and it was that it, it was within a couple months that um, it got they got awarded best new international, um, which was phenomenal. I, was like, I didn't really understand what tails was at that point and kind of really getting thrown into it um, and having the kind of spotlight turned on you pretty much immediately was was like a being thrown in the deep end, but incredible. And then um, every year consecutively, um, there was more and more awards being picked up. And then by the time I left, I think there was seven tails plates and, you know, one on 50 best. And, you know, it was, it's just like, looking back on it, you're like, how, how did this happen? But then looking back at the team that I was working with, it was like, oh yeah, okay, this, this is, you know, these are the best people in the world. That kind of makes sense. Um, and you know, um, I, I, I fell in love with, with, uh, Aiden Bowie as everybody does, you know, he, he, he flutters his, um, cow eyelashes and, you know, his, his softly spoken Edinburgh accent and kind of every, everyone kind of melts, which is amazing. And, uh, you know, he's moved off to, um, uh, New York and, and dead rabbit and, 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 um, he's, he's doing amazing stuff, which is, which is incredible. Um, and the likes of like Lorenzo Antonori as well. He was on the show to yeah. Hong Kong. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, one of the best people I've ever had to work with, which is he's, he's incredible. Um, just always wants to be your pal. Like there's, there's always a joke in him as well, which is, which is incredible. He's, he's yeah, he's a great person to work with. Um, so yeah, I feel absolutely blessed to be work, working with those people and, you know, Ian and Ryan are, you know, they still are the, the best kind of visionaries in the industry in my mind and uh you know that you can't really you can't really compare them which is which is you know looking back on it as well and being like outside of that now is 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 a bit wild um i'm i definitely miss having chats with them it was the kind of thing where they're in the bar and um you know if you want to if you wanted to talk with them you just have to like grab them because they are like so busy and like jam-packed and just like Hey, I got you for like 30 seconds. What do you think about this? Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it was, it was a wild kind of whirlwind, but um, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. It was, it was an incredible experience. Fantastic. I, I'm so jealous really. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, uh, cause I went there as well. It was a great bar. Uh, it was so sad that I went, but, but um, okay, let's move on to, to Orchard and to the distillery yeah. and, and how that happened. And I actually quickly want to give a shout out to um, one of my pals here. He works for Bacardi, Daniel Elphinstone. He used yes. to work there. And uh, when I told him you were coming on the show, he was like, oh yeah, I know. So, so yeah, big <laughs> shout out to Daniel. Um, 
because you did work there. So let, let's hear about Orchard and the distillery, what it's like. Yeah, dude. So so uh, Orchid in Aberdeen um, has been... So so the, the three guys, the three founders on the back of the bottle, Ben, Josh, and Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, chatted about Alex, kind of I met him in, in, in London. Um, but Ben and Josh, they've been running a bar called Orchid in Aberdeen for about, well, it's just over 10 years now, which is awesome. And the whole idea of Orchid was that it was supposed to be this kind of melting pot of um, ideas and fresh visions and making people come to bars in Aberdeen. Um, I don't know. You ever been to Aberdeen? Never. Not yet. Anyway. Okay. So, so Aberdeen's like, it's an oil town. So it's like North, well, East coast of Scotland. Um, it's about, I think it's like three hours on a train North from Edinburgh. Um, so you, you stand on the beach and you look north and there's pretty much nothing and it's just North Sea. It's, it, there's not much else there. So there's all the oil rigs and stuff in the North Sea. So everybody bases themselves in um, Aberdeen. And because of that, there's like more strip clubs and more bars in Aberdeen than pretty much anywhere else <laughs> I've ever seen. Right. Um, you know, you, you get these people who have got a lot of money and a very short period of time to spend it. So like, what do you have there? You have bars and you have strip clubs and all this stuff and casinos and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's a, it's a wild little town that is, um, it's really interesting because everything's built on granite. So the three days of sun that they do get up there, um, everything kind of sparkles and shines and it has this kind of magical aspect to it. But granite is, is like slightly radioactive as well. So it, it's, it's kind of weird because every now and again, you see like, weird strange people anyway uh but it's uh yeah it's it's a cool town it's cool town um so orchid was there as a kind of idea saying that um we'll try and raise the waters and with that all ships rise you know everybody benefits from upping their game so it was one of the first real places that looked at kind of quality of spirits and quality of ingredients to bring in and kind of new fresh ideas for cocktails and experience and music and everything like that. So it, it, the whole idea was to elevate the game, but without keeping all those secrets to yourself. So the whole idea was to disseminate knowledge. So they put on lots of talks and you know masterclasses and people from all over the world came in and talked about X, Y, or Z or their spirits or their brands or their experience um, for the community to grow, which is exceptional. It's, it's like, you got to tip the cap to that because you know it's difficult enough to run a business, um, let alone trying to think about everybody else's businesses. Um, so, after a couple years there, um, Ben and Josh and Alex had this idea to make a spirit, and um, one of the regulars there is a guy, a chap called Andy Porter. Funnily enough, where you get the name Porters from, um, and he would come in and he'd have his like regular drink, um, and he'd drink beers. He wouldn't drink cocktails. And, um, you know, you, just like every regular that you get to know, you get to know them pretty intimately. You get to know their lives, you get to know, you know, their wives, their, 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 what they do for work and all this stuff. And he is, he's a professor of microbiology at the University of Aberdeen. So we kind of, guys got chatting with him and saying like, hey, we want to make a spirit. We don't really know how, like blah, 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 just in conversation. Um, and then the next week, Andy comes in and he brings in like these weird glass tubes and bits of like technical equipment and stuff that he'd like liberated from the university. Um, and uh, over, over about a kind of six week period, he kept bringing other stuff in. 
and then after six weeks, it was like, right, let me show you how to use this thing. Um, and it was like a rudimentary rotary evaporator, which is like a, like a, a cold still. It allows you to to distill things at a very cold temperature. Um, but it was held together with like cable ties and duct tape, and you know the wires were bare and stuff, and it gave everybody electric shocks and stuff like this. Like looking back on it, it was pretty pretty dangerous. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, for that reason, it was dubbed the, dubbed the, the ghetto vamp um, because like it was that. like, yeah, re yeah, really kind of janky and horrible. Um, but it allowed us to start experimenting with flavor. So, you know, if we wanted to make, I don't know, a killer raspberry syrup or raspberry liqueur or something, they don't really exist on the market. So we make one in-house and you can turn it around in, I don't know, like two hours. So it really gave us the tools to kind of start experimenting with flavor and what we what we're searching for. Um, and it was about kind of a year and a half distilling everything you could get hands on. So from like random flowers from the common that had just like sprung up, like I wonder what they taste like, um, to kind of like like old citrus that was hanging around, like anything we could get hands on. Um, and weird bags of botanicals started like appearing randomly. Like, I wonder what this tastes like. I wonder what that tastes like. So if you go to, if you go to Orchid now, on the on the back wall, there's like a um, a cabinet, a glass cabinet that has hundreds of distillates in it, and that's from this year and a half of experimentation. So they still have all these kind of vials of of distillates and stuff that kind of yeah, we didn't know what we were looking for. Um, and uh, Josh is is so Ben Ben's the owner of Orchid, um, and Josh was his um, like school friend, and he was off in um, China. Um, teaching kind of loads of different things and setting up businesses and stuff like that. And he met and married his wife out over there and he came back to Aberdeen um, as kind of Ben was, Ben was talking about making this, making the spirit. And he brought with him a Buddha's hand, which is um, yes. like this very bizarre citrus fruit. I'm sure it's, it's fairly common in your neck of the woods, it's but not, over here. It, it really isn't. And actually I, oh, right. I urge any listeners to, to Google now, uh, Buddha hand citrus, because it is yeah. a really incredible looking fruit. It's, it's completely bizarre. It's, it's like this ancient, um, citrus variety. That's like way up on the family tree. Mm. It's one of the original six, six citruses. Um, so without it, we wouldn't have like oranges and lemons and limes that we have today because they're all crossbreeds. So this is like, it's this weird prehistoric looking tentacle monster that, that yeah. sits on a tree. Um, where is it? Where is it native know, to? If you don't mind me asking. So it, it's, it's, it's like North of Himalayas. Is that right? right. Yeah. Okay. So um, a, a, anything kind of South of the Himalayas, you get kind of citron and bergamot and stuff. And then North you get all these like weird esoteric um, strange fruits like Buddha's hand. Um, but it, it, yeah, so China mostly, and then you, you do find it in Japan and, and stuff like that. Um, there's actually a whole festival in Japan around New Year's that is like dedicated to this fruit. Oh man, but it's, um, you should so sponsor that. <laughs> I know, it, it, it's, it's super weird. It, it's fairly, I think it's fairly religious, so I don't really okay. want to kind of step on anyone's toes. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it, it's, so it's become known as the the symbol of good luck. Like it, it's, it's um, so Buddha's hand in Chinese, I'm probably going to butcher this pronunciation. Well, I'll try. Fuxiu. Fuxiu. Yeah, I, I'm, sh I'm sure any any kind of uh, Mandarin speakers will 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 chastise me for that. But yeah, Fuxiu. Um and that literally translates to the hand of Buddha, hand, Buddha's hand. But in some dialects, it translate it translates to prosperous luck. 
Um, so it is the physical embodiment of luck. And for that reason, they're not grown for their like culinary deliciousness because they don't really taste like anything. Um, but you give them to someone and it's the act of giving it that bestows like good luck. So um, it's, it's the kind of thing where you give it to someone on New Year or on their birthday or when they get married or when they move into their first home and stuff like this, big life events. Um, and you're supposed to put it by your front door. And because it's so aromatic, um, when you walk through your front door, you're supposed to bring in good spirits with you. Um, so yeah, there, there's, I, I could talk for hours about Buddha's hand. It's a, it's, it's an endlessly fascinating fruit. It's, um, but it, it's super, it's super strange. Cause when you think about citrus, you think about like sharp, tart, sour, Buddha's hand doesn't have any acidity at all. Um, when you cut it in half, there's no juice or flesh and there's rarely any seeds. So it's only like this, the peel around the outside that's aromatic and it is intensely aromatic. It's like, um, I think, I think we figured it out. It's, it's like six times more aromatic than a lemon, but it also has like these like geranium lavender kind of aspect to it as well. It's amazing. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, Josh brought back a Buddha's hand with him and, um, we distilled it and we're like, fell in love with it right away. And, uh, we figured out like, where do we get this from? Um, if we want to actually make anything from it. And we spoke, we spoke to like Bacardi and Diageo and stuff. Um, and no one knew what it was, let alone how to get hold of it. So we ended up going back to China and brokering it from farmers, from these Buddha's hand farmers and doing a direct deal with them and getting it sent over direct from them. And when it came into the UK, it got stopped by customs in the docks for six weeks because it just said Buddha's hand on the customs form. So like no one, no one knew what it was. So we had to go down to the docks, physically open the containers and be like, no, it's just fruit. Don't worry. Um, and from then we were kind of like up and rolling and uh, kind of Porter's was born as, as it is today. So modern classic was born. Um, it's really cool because, you know, we have this little space under the bar where we put this rotary evaporator. Um, and these days it's like an upgraded mega fancy ultra kind of slick, proper lab grade piece of equipment. But, but <laughs> you know, we wouldn't stick around uh, using the ghetto app all the time. Um, but we quickly realized that we couldn't, uh, it couldn't make the whole spirit under the bar. Um, and under the bar is literally like, it's one of the stock rooms. We've taken out all the stock and all the premix and stuff like that and, and put a little still. So there's a little space that we could uh, tinker around. Um, so we went to a company that's called G&J in uh, Warrington and they're famous for greenals. I don't know if you've seen greenals. Greenals gin um, is like their, their big thing. They also do bloom and bulldog and stuff but they've been distilling gin for like best part of 350 years. Um, you know, so we couldn't think of anyone better to talk to about making a gin. Um, so we actually spoke with them and said, Hey, we want to make a gin. Um, the first question they asked us was, where do you see yourself in five years? And we said global. So they stood up and shook our hands because they don't deal with like, small craft batch artesian like uh, you know handcrafted stuff they deal with like big industrial scales so you know immediately right off the bat we didn't want to make a local gin something that was like tied to a specific location because they do really well in that location but not not everywhere else we wanted to be global so um yeah we spoke with them and then um we kind of collaborated to find a uh, a gin recipe a copper pot traditional gin recipe um using their copper pot 
and uh, that's the base of all our gins. So there's 10 botanicals that go through that. Stuff that's like, you'll see in pretty much every gin. There's nothing kind of untoward about it. Um, the likes of cassia and, and, and uh, licorice and stuff like that. Nothing kind of crazy. And then that gets shipped up to us in Aberdeen. And then we finish it with these, these cold distilled distillates. Um, so Buddha's hand, pink peppercorn, go into modern classic. And that's kind of like salt and pepper. Uh, you think of seasoning gin. Um, and then that goes out as modern classic. And then the Tropical Old Tom, which started life as, a, as an argument. Um, <laughs> as all we, good things we, do. We, yeah, right. We, we knew we wanted to um, make something along the same lines of an Old Tom or a rested gin or an overproof, because that's what gin companies do. They kind of diversify and make new things. Um, but we didn't know what we wanted to do. And how we decide things as a company is that we all sit down on a table and start discussing. And then usually about kind of 40 minutes in when we're going nowhere and going around in circles, a bottle of whiskey comes down and like no one leaves the table until we've decided what we're doing next. And it's usually like a bottle and a half, maybe two bottles of whiskey deep. Um, and uh, <laughs> we were going through this process and Alex jumps up, he's, we, we're getting nowhere. And uh, he's like, right, I'm leaving. Let's just make a let's just make a tiki gin and like storms out, and uh, everyone else on the table's like, hmm, all right, maybe we can do this. So it, <laughs> you know, it, instead of tiki, this is you know because gin and tiki don't really get along. I think there's maybe two classics, two tiki classics that use gin, um, and they're generally not like fully featured in in the in the cocktails. Um, so we wanted to, instead of using like almond and orange and, and nuts and like rich flavors like that, we wanted to concentrate on the lighter side of it. So this is made with passion fruit, guava and white tea um, with a little, little bit of sugar just to keep it juicy. But this, is, this came out two years ago and it was the most fun party we've ever done. Um, we invited a load of people into uh, what was White Lion and they've got like a basement bar with a, with a um, stripper pole loads of neon lights and all the tables are concrete so you can dance on the tables and stuff and it's like really low ceilings so it's really really intimate and we started slinging martinis for people like genuine gin martinis uh using tropical old tom and you you'll know as well like not everybody drinks martinis like martini is a specific person that likes a martini and they'll probably have two um but we were slinging these out to everyone and we call it like the gateway martini because it's so like easily drinkable mm. um, that you don't really realize how boozy it is. And uh, yeah, the stripper pole was like, there was constantly someone on the stripper pole and like people taking shirts off and it Brilliant. got so like <laughs> sweaty and sticky. And yeah, it was a really cool party. Um, and we, we were like garnishing stuff with like whole passion fruits. We had a big bowl of passion fruits and it turned into a bit of a, like a, uh, a snowball fight at the end, but like a passion, passion fruit fight. Um, <laughs> which is really cool. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really, really fun, uh, delicious, um, kind of elevated, less, less, uh, less naive, more kind of um, grown up old Tom style. And then Orchard, Orchard came out this year, which is absolutely my favorite thing we've ever done. Um, it's the same kind of principles as the, as the old Tom. We knew that we wanted to make something new and fresh and exciting, but with still kind of classic roots. So this was inspired by our love for champagne, which is like everybody in the company loves champagne. And um, 
we kind of tried to pick apart what we like about champagne being that bright fruitiness, zestiness, like zippiness um, that you get from, from celebrations, but also that big buttery Burgundian like uh, breadiness or like butteriness that you get from amazing champagnes. And so we, we're using um, apples, pears and uh, a black soy distillate. So that black soy that we make, make that in-house and it's, it's kind of like, imagine like miso soup, but without any salt um, and without any kind of like uh, stickiness or like sweetness to it. That's what it kind of comes out to be like. Um, so it's very, very bizarre and your body doesn't quite know what to do with it. It can't really place it because you expect all those kind of uh, umami flavors to be accompanied with salt and sugar as well. Um, and they're not there. So it's super weird. It's very, very strange. But when you partner that up with alcohol and, um, and, and juniper, especially, you kind of have this wonderful wash of like creaminess that tricks your mind to think that there's sugar in there when there's actually not. Um, so it, it's a really kind of interesting, very, very modern um, way of making gin that is, you know, I, I call it bizarre originally. But I think it's it's inspired because there's you know there is no one else kind of doing this, which is super cool. Um, but yeah, I, I I think this makes the best GNT in the world. The um, tropical Tom makes the best martini in the world. You know, uh, it, it's 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 like we wouldn't put these products out if we didn't believe in them. And being bartenders ourselves, you know, we the whole reason why we do this is that we wanted to use them in a specific way rather than being like. Hey, I've got this new gin from X, Y, and Z. Oh, great. Have a gin and tonic once and then put it away and it gathers dust or whatever. You know, we wanted to give bartenders and people at home a tool to use to be like, I can make this product, make this drink my own using this product. So, you know, have a classic martini, you put this in it. Now it's a tropical martini or, you know, <laughs> so yeah, that, 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 that's kind of, I know I've chatted a lot about gin. <laughs> no, but that's, uh, that's what you're that's here it. for, my friend. So, I mean, it's great <laughs> because I love, I mean, honestly, I love Porter's gin, but I haven't tried the latest two expressions, even the Tropical Tom. So I've, We'll have to send you some. And uh, yeah, no, no, please. I'd, I'd love to, especially the champagne one, because that sounds fascinating, really, because um, they, they obviously is, I mean, not just yourself, the whole team. There's a lot of creativity that goes into it. And uh, that leads into my next sort of question about your YouTube series, because yes. that's really all about creativity. But but um, when I guess you're you're stuck to sort of um, the parameters you use in one ingredient, it's like, what else can you do? And, and I think it's such a great fun series and, you, and you've really put a lot of effort into it. I guess that was born out of the lockdown boredom, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so when. I mean, you've seen it so much uh, kind of this year when the first lockdown gets in, um, got got kind of put in. Every brand ambassador, every brand agent, every every bartender was doing like Instagram Live, Facebook Live. Here's how you make, make a margarita or here's how you make a Negroni or whatever. And it's like, cool, I get it. This is amazing. But like everybody's doing this. Why can't you do something different or, um, you know, make it more, I don't know, accessible, I guess. And so there was this, um, I started off doing this thing called one thing Wednesday, um, which is, which is on the Porter's gin Instagram. You go check it out. It's on the, um, uh, what do you call it? The TV Instagram TV. Um, 
And so every Wednesday at three o'clock, I went live for like 15 minutes and made three drinks using one ingredient. So it was whatever I had lying around in the house. And when, when the first lockdown happened, there was nothing in the shops. So it's stuff like, stuff like melon I started off with, which was like the only fruit, only fresh fruit that was like on the shelves because all the strawberries and raspberries and everything else that you usually expect are gone. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really cool because you suddenly had this kind of restriction to kind of corral your creativity. Um, and I'm only using Porter's Gin and Glasshouse Whiskey. So I've only got two, two kind of products that I can use. Um, and so that was very, very restrictive, but that allowed for really interesting things to come out of it. Um, and I did that for 26 weeks. So every week for, for half a year, for six months, um, which you can find, find on the Instagram. It's, yeah, it's, it's cool. There's a, you can tell like on the later ones, I'm much more like accustomed to talking to camera. Um, and the first ones I'm like, uh, I don't know what to It's do. the same with this podcast, honestly. I mean, um, <laughs> I, I, I do urge everyone to listen to all the episodes because it's not about me, but I definitely do get better as they go. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's practice, right? Um, and then after, after a little while, I was like, you know, I, I didn't have any equipment. It was just on my phone. Um, <laughs> so we, we, we've got a little, little projector at our house, like this big. And I, I got like a sticky phone mount and just stuck it on because it was the only flat thing that we had in the house um, and put my phone on this thing so it could like be stable. But I didn't have any like tripods or lights or anything like that. Um, so after a while, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. This is really cool. I'm going to pitch this to the guys at Porter's to see if we can make like an elevated version of this and make it more, you know, engaging refine everything like fine editing good music good lights good like everything um and pump it up to the next level and that's what that's what one thing drinks is um so like on on so my youtube channel is jack wearing cocktails and um in the future we're going to be doing more shows other than one thing drinks but i think for the next kind of six months or so we're, we're just doing one thing drinks which is taking one ingredient making three cocktails with it and the beauty of this is that I've, uh, you know, uh, I've got some really good friends in the industry that we've kind of, I've leaned on pretty heavily in this, this past kind of couple months um, who also make uh, really good spirits and fine ingredients. So I don't use any products that I don't believe in. You know, every part of every video is something that I would drink myself or I'd, I'd encourage others to drink. So I'm, I'm not going to... Um, you know, take some money from X, Y, or Z vodka and be like, you should drink this vodka because they're paying me. You know, this is, you know, um, this is something that I believe in. I think you should drink this vodka because I think it's delicious and the people are amazing. And, you know, that's it. There's no, there's no money exchanging hands or anything like that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's, um, so my most recent one, which went live um, very recently was hazelnut. Um, and I figured you know, hazelnut is something that you don't find in drinks. It's, you and don't so it, it's, yeah. So it, again, you have this kind of constriction of be like, right, what do I do with this? And it, 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 it's not something where you can like go to a back bar and be like, Hey, I've got 10,000 ingredients to choose from, um, or 10,000 bottles to choose from. Let's just make something, you know, you really have to kind of go out of your comfort zone, 
and be like, what can I do with this little nut? And how do I make this into something great? Yeah. And then there's even further restriction as well, because I have this, I, I, I break my drinks down into three sections. Um, so like super simple where like anyone can make this. Um, and generally speaking, you don't need any like tools or ingredients, any like tins or shakers or, you know, any special bartender tools. Um, and then you have mega tasty, which is, you put a little bit of effort in and you kind of reap the rewards later. So whether that's making like a simple infusion or like a syrup or something, and then you got ultra fancy. So that's when you kind of chef's techniques come in and use like ban maries and, and sous vide machines and stuff like that. Um, and you really kind of go hog wild with ingredients and you make something which is far away beyond more what you would expected than, than, you know, any other, anything else. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of restrictions, but with that, you get this creativity from it. So you, uh, there's a lot of times where I'm scratching my head, scratching my head, um, figuring out what to what to do for that week. And a lot of the times, it's down like internet black holes and and kind of looking at uh, Wikipedia and kind of getting lost in the internet, finding like interesting things. And that's where inspiration comes from. You know, it's it's that persistence and the, and the kind of uh, figuring something out. I've got this problem it's not a bolt of lightning that hits you to figure out what the answer is. You know, it's more like pulling your hair out, trying to figure out something and, and going around in circles and calling out people and all this stuff. So yeah, it's uh, it's, it's really good fun to do. Um, there's one every week, um, which is really cool. Uh, the Christmas ones. So I'm, I'm not doing like a Christmas one, um, but uh, the next few, so I've, I've got tangerine, because that's one thing that I always found in my in my stocking every yes, year. Very true. I, I don't know whether that's like a, a, a personal thing or whether everybody no, did. I think it's like a very UK thing, like British and. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a reason. Some tradition long gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, for for New Year, I'm doing bubbles, so I'm doing champagne and, and cremon and all this stuff. So cool. there's is, and then hopefully as this goes on we'll kind of expand into different things. So looking at, I don't know, sours or looking at kind of drinks without ice or um, drinks without citrus or whatever, you know, there's that one thing can be kind of stretched rather than being like one food. It could be one, I don't know, idea Um, or, you know, so it, 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 there's scope to do loads of cool stuff. Um, And then in the future, I'm going to be hooking up with, um, uh, experts in that field. So say for example, um, I'm doing raspberries. I'd call up someone who is an expert in raspberries or a, a raspberry grower oh, or someone nice. who, yeah. who has like extreme experience in that one thing. And then we'll chat about what makes raspberries raspberries or what makes them different or, you know, um, interesting stuff about it. So at the start of every show, I always try and include some, a little bit of history, a little bit of like why, why it's made its way into cocktails or why it hasn't made its way into cocktails. Um, and also some kind of like interesting facts and stuff. So there's like little tidbits that you can use next dinner party, whenever that might be, um, <laughs> you know, when you're ma- when you're making cocktails and be like, did you know X, Y, Z or like, <laughs> Brilliant. so yeah, that's uh, I try, I try and include some interesting stuff as well. Good. I mean, yeah, like, I love the show so far, and I can't wait to hear about these Thanks. other ones. But actually, um, so for, for the audience, in the show notes, there'll be a link to Jack's show, uh, the YouTube channel. But I want to ask, the hazelnut, I'm, I'm really, really intrigued. How, how on earth did you use hazelnut? And don't give it all away, because we do want people to watch it. But... <laughs> 
So um, one one thing, because like Frangelico is like the only hazelnut thing that I could find. Right. And it's this Ita- Italian cream liqueur, like Bailey's, and it is like phenomenally delicious. It's a weird but bottle I as felt- well, but I do like it. Yeah, it's got like a rope tied around it and stuff. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it's 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 delicious, but I felt that it was it was a bit of a cop out. Um, I felt that there was more that you could do with it, um, because like hazelnuts in food is predominantly sweet. So we know like Nutella, we know like Ferrero Rocher, um, and it's like sprinkled on ice cream and stuff. Um, but how do you translate that like hazelnut flavor into something that's not necessarily sweet or maybe it's sour or, you know, so, so there's, there's these elements where, where I chose to use either like a schnapps. So like with no sugar whatsoever. So it, I, I use this schnapps, which is, it smells amazing. It smells, it smells like Nutella. Um, it smells like liquid Nutella, wow, but it tastes okay. like pain because there's, there's no sugar at all. Oh. So it, it just tastes, it's it's like dry and like yeah yeah it's it's weird mm. but very cool to use so you have this kind of different element um and then like infusing into different things so i make a hazelnut cognac for example nice um, and and cognacs have that kind of hazelnutty kind of thing going on anyway with like raisin flavors and that oakiness uh that goes along with cognac so kind of elevating those things using these ingredients um i think is a, is a cool way to do things rather than just being like hey i smashed up some hazelnuts and i put it in some cream and here's a milkshake you know, it's uh <laughs> you know that, that that's very easy to do and very you know right straight laced and, and and kind of naive i guess in in many respects um but i always try and make things a bit more grown up or a bit more um kind of nuanced i guess would be the word okay fantastic well jack we're going to wrap up very soon but i mean just uh, hold on for a little bit longer like one of the questions i've got after hearing all that is your house must be filled of all these crazy experiments and all these <laughs> little you know bottles here and there is your is your fridge and shelves packed with with past experiments yeah that's it yeah, yeah. I've, I've got like um i've got like grenadines and stuff i've got right. like shrubs that i made uh yeah i've got a whole shelf on in in my fridge that's just full of little bottles uh, my girlfriend gets really annoyed because they end up spilling out into different places and i've got like ferments going on and and like i'm making my own ginger beer for a new one and stuff so that's oh, like wow, okay. that's hanging around and stuff like this so yeah the, it, it's it's starting to get a little out of hand i've got a yeah there's a whole shelf we have a i've got a little cellar i've got a whole shelf there that's just full of like bits and pieces that i've picked up over the past kind of 10 months so Fantastic. it's uh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> well, look, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Um, for the audience, go try Porters. It's amazing. Uh, check out the YouTube series as well because it's a lot of fun. I think you're going to learn a lot too. Um, before you go, Jack, what are you drinking these days other than Porters? <laughs> What's your cocktail <laughs> Other choice? than Porters? Yeah. Well, have you got uh, a cocktail so, favorite? Yeah. Well, in, in in my most recent video, I made a Sazerac and I haven't had a Sazerac in the best part of two years. Um, oh, okay. And I've just kind of rediscovered it. Uh, so it's, it's yeah, that's one thing that I, I I had to kind of pick up again and have to have like three or four um, because the first one I was like, yeah, that was really good. The second one, I'm like, wow, this is delicious. I really need to drink some more of this. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty staple drink now. It's uh, yeah, awesome. So yeah, 50-50 cognac and rye. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Jack, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, man. And uh, have a wonderful Christmas. Good luck with the new year and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, dude. Cheers.